So it's Thursday morning. The, weather, the weather's actually looking a bit grey. It was meant to be quite a nice day. And given the brief this morning is to photograph a couple of black Labrador puppies out in the sunshine, I think, I think we might be out of luck. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. So off on the road again, it's Thursday morning, so I'm driving through our beautiful little village. Yes, I know, the clanks, the bangs, the knocks, that's just a Land Rover Defender. Oh, I up, they've dug up another bit of our road. Uh, we're getting modernised, the village is being modernised. Now here's one of those uh, annoying little things about life, which is that they are putting in full fibre into the village. Great, up to uh, one gigabit or 900 megabit. Uh, asymmetric upload and download speeds perfect so as with everybody else in the village I suspect uh, I rang them up to place a pre-order can't do it what do you mean I can't do it you can't do it well it says I can do it no you can't do it it's coming up on our system that you're not going to be it's not going to be available to you until August 2023 but I said well Lots of my neighbours have done it, and if I go from home and log on to your website from my home address, I can do it. Why can't I do it here, which is in between my friend's house and my house? Uh, they had no idea, but after a lot of sort of poking around the edges, it turns out it's because I'm a business. If I'm a domestic user, I can pre-order uh, with a completion date sometime this year. If I'm a business, I cannot pre-order. Uh, I've got no clue when it's available, uh, and so <laughs> although they've causing an absolute nightmare for us all by digging up the roads I can't benefit uh, which seems to be just a little bit weird I'm assuming it's because they're fearful that uh, business users are going to have much higher use rates and so either they are not committing to it or they're waiting to find out uh, whether it's part of the thing they want to do anyway uh, the village the rest of the village seems fairly calm for once no traffic lights as I drive my way out uh, through the rain. Uh, this week, a little bit of an update. Well, it's been busy. <laughs> Have I ever started a podcast where it doesn't say I'm busy? Uh, yes, it's been really, really busy. Um, it feels like we're doing about 12 months of work in the last six months of the year. And that'll be, I think, because we are doing 12 months of work in the last six months of the year, which I guess is great. At the end of the day, you're a business, and so you need customers. And if you have customers, then there's work. If there's work, then there's revenue. If there's revenue, then there's margin. If there's margin, then there's profit. And if there's profit, well, I get to eat. So it's not like it's a bad thing, but it's exhausting. And sometimes it does feel a little bit like I'm a hamster in a wheel. And on top of everything, I think with the way this year is mapped out, trying to find a way of taking a break sensibly has not been so straightforward. And I suppose, in a sense, you get... Maybe you think that the things like the, the pandemic lockdowns uh, are our break, but they're not. Of course they're not, because you don't really switch off. It's not like we could go anywhere. So, I mean, right, you know, I'm at home drinking inordinate quantities of wine. Uh, but that's not really the same thing as just parking everything, the worries of life and getting away. And I don't really know uh, when that's going to happen. We have got a sketch plan. If anyone's listening to this and, and 
uh, thinks they might be nearer. We're hoping, hoping that we're going across to WPPI uh, in March next year. Myself and Sarah are going to have a bit of a road trip, I think. That's certainly the sketch. Uh, we're trying to put the, place, the pieces into, into place. I'm not presenting or judging anything at WPPI. Uh, oh, bumps. <laughs> the road's got potholes. Um, but we're hoping to start in San Francisco, then go to uh, across to WPPI. But, uh, if, if that turns into more of a plan than a sketch, uh, then we will let you know. But if anyone's around, would love to meet up. Uh, because, of course, I have lots and lots and lots of uh, people who listen to the podcast in the States. Uh, now, I'm aware the, <laughs> the USA is... Well, I mean, there are counties within states that are bigger than England. I mean, I'm aware of the scale. Uh, that not everybody... Me, me, oh, I'm coming to the US. Anyone around? It's not like I'm walking to my local pub and saying, does anyone fancy a drink? However, if anyone is around for WPPI, uh, with a little bit of luck, a following wind, the right finances and my bookings allowing, uh, then I'm going to come over. Myself and Sarah are going to come over. Uh, updates on everything else well uh, we have been uh, we've done I think two wedding reveals this week I've shot did I shoot a wedding last week I think I shot a wedding last week it all gets a bit blurry uh, a handful of portrait shoots and a couple of headshot shoots Sarah has assured me assured me <laughs> that things get better or I say better it might not be the right word but certainly things ease off uh, mid-November 16th of November is a date that she is earmarking uh, so we're going up to see our son in Loughborough who seems to be having a pretty good time judging by uh, the videos he's posting so we're going to go and buy him some proper food we're going to go stay in a hotel buy him some proper food and have at least a chilled day so I will get a break uh, of some, descri some description uh, but the one thing I mean Sarah is saying that you know leaves off in the middle of November Nah, you see, the thing is, I sit close enough to the phones, I see the emails, I hear the phones, or the phone calls, and I can still see the calendar. And I know that yeah, it kind of eases off, but does it really? I can still hear the bookings coming in. Uh, doing lots of headshots, which I love. I've said this before. A headshot, to me, is a very pure form of portraiture, and I really enjoy doing them because there's no pressure on creating variety in the poses variety in, in you know uh, the combinations of people really all you're doing is creating interest and capturing character and yes we do outfit changes and I do change the lighting a lot uh, and you know different angles and everything else but there's a real simplicity and an elegance to doing to doing headshots I really 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 enjoy uh, what else we've we done this oh yes oh yes I've ordered the Z or Z9. Uh, I was at the Hearing Dogs this time last week when the pre-order emails came out. Uh, we got ours from Greys of Westminster, or we'll be getting it from Greys of Westminster, and the email came in. Sarah rang me, and I know whenever I'm on a shoot, I won't take a call because I'm working for my client, 100%. I never take a call. However, if it's Sarah who rings me, then of course I'll take the call because Sarah knows I won't take a call. So if she's rang me, it's important. And I'm picking up the phone thinking, uh-oh, something's happened. You know, there's been an accident. There's been a fire. One of our clients has had a mishap. Something's gone horribly wrong. 
So I pick up and I'm very, yes. And I've apologized to my client. I say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the dog that's sitting in front of me is looking suitably perplexed because I've put the camera down and I'm now chatting. And yes, <laughs> Sarah says, the pre-order's out. Do you want me to order it? Yes. That was essentially the whole conversation. Uh, so the, the Z9 is ordered and given how fast we did it and the fact that with Grays of Westminster, if you're a, a magazine, a gold magazine member, you get uh, priority on the queue. I'm hopeful that I will get it within the next decade because I can see that there's no stock anywhere. Uh, there's no predicted stock anywhere. Everyone's saying we're expecting a few in December, but the waiting list is so long that you might still be in, you know, 2025. Uh, though I am very excited about it, particularly for those of you who listened to the previous episode when I was somewhat, and I apologise that you could hear how tired I was at the end of the wedding, uh, somewhat lamenting the fact that I'm having to grapple with the Z7, low the Mark II. You know, at the end of the day, as professional photographers, it's, it's like saying, uh, like giving, a, I don't know, a woodcarver a cheap hammer and mallet from Aldi. They can still do it, but it's no... It's, it makes it harder and I know again you're always drummed into you I don't know if this is a saying that's all around the world but in this country a bad workman always blames his tools <laughs> you hear that all the time a, bla- a bad workman always blames his tools well yeah I get that of course I can still take a picture with my Z7 uh, we're taking amazing pictures with the Z7 it's just hard work you know, and the amount of times I've had to clip that battery thing back on or the, the, I suddenly find that I'm shooting in the rain with the memory card door open. It's just not an easy camera. So in the next podcast, I'm going to sit and go through the spec sheet. <laughs> it's, it, I can't review it. I don't have one. I won't have one for a while. Uh, but I'm going to go through the spec sheet and explain why I am so excited uh, about the Z9 or Z9. Uh, seriously, it looks finally... It Actually, there's some spec in it that uh, arrived when it finally came out. There's some spec in there that I was moaning about in the previous episode before the spec came out. And they've, they've done it. They've fixed so much of what I was whimpering about. It's almost like they waited, <laughs> they waited until I published that podcast and then immediately updated the specification. Uh, just about everything from batteries to memory cards to uh, the fact that the buttons don't light up, the fact there's a dedicated switch for the focus mode. I mean, there are so many things in this unit that will make my life that um, little bit uh, better. Oh, the one thing that I did spot is the cost of the batteries. They're going to be about 180 quid each. That's quite a lot of money for a battery, if I'm honest. But like I said, you know, having put up with the pain of working on a camera where the batteries die every five minutes, uh, that is clearly uh, a price worth paying. And also the camera came out at about a thousand pounds cheaper than I had budgeted. I'd set aside about six and a half thousand uh, of your UK pounds and it's coming at about five three. Obviously, we've got to buy memory cards, uh, these um, uh, the XQD. Uh, style cards uh, CFast or CF Express um, and yeah they're expensive you know I looked uh, the thing is it's in that sense it's a little bit frustrating because an SD card what 128 gig SD cards about 20 quid I think there are thereabouts and that's a good one that's a, a pro an extreme pro maybe from SanDisk maybe 25 128 gig for 128 gig CF Express it's about 200 pounds so it's about 10 times the price 
so that's a lot of money so i see a few photographers where every gig they do they store the sd card without formatting it they just have a bank of sd cards because at 20 quid a shoot uh, it's relatively cost effective they only format the card you know six months later when everything is completely archived i was tempted to do that but the trouble is with, with, with it being you know 200 quid a card and for a wedding that'd be 400 quid out of a wedding budget i mean i know once you've bought them they'll last but that's a lot of outlay so we won't be doing that ladies and gentlemen we will be doing exactly what i always do which is be very very hot uh, on archiving uh anyway was there a topic to this podcast yes there is sort of a topic to this podcast it isn't just me ranting I've just got back from being one of five judges for the British Institute of Professional Photographers, the BIPP. Uh, just got back from Preston two days ago. We spent a very happy couple of days up there. I absolutely adore judging. It's one of my favourite things to do because you learn so much. You're sitting alongside other eminently qualified judges who see things that you don't and they, they appreciate an image in a way that you don't. So whenever I'm judging... One of the greatest privileges is not just seeing some incredible photography in front of us, but also listening to how other judges deconstruct and analyse and evaluate work. Uh, I won't do a podcast on it this time. I've done enough and there's an article out there behind the, behind the curtain or behind the judge's curtain or something where um, I've talked enough about the things we're looking for. It's the usual stuff, you know, paper choice, colours, cropping... Uh, the presentation, one of the things about a print competition over and above uh, an image competition is in a print competition, we're looking at the entire piece of work in front of us. And that includes the mount, includes the print, it includes the positioning of the print within the mount, everything. Uh, usual stuff came up, you know, we had one or two with really quite dodgy colours. Um, maybe we should run a masterclass on how to get consistent colours end to end. Uh, down the chain it's not actually that hard but you'd be surprised the number of people who don't do it and I'm always surprised at the number of prints that come direct from a printer rather than from the photographer and when we're looking at the file because in the new with the new systems we see the image on an iPad at the same time as we're evaluating and marking the print and just to be clear we're marking the print but for clarity, to make sure that we're seeing the right print, that we're putting the scores against the right print, we also get to see the image on an iPad or on a laptop. And the problem is that we can see the originating file and we can see the colours on the print. And so, yes, all right, the printer may darken it down or the photographer may actually darken the file down ready for printing or sharpen it slightly differently. And that's entirely appropriate. But when, for instance, skin tones have gone from what look like really clean, pure skin tones to these really peachy oranges or one image all of the highlights had flattened and the file had gone and the print had gone blue and could see a mile away that there was something off in the print and of course it's the print that we're evaluating uh, so you need that pin sharp images images got to be sharp if they're not sharp again remember that I, it's really hard it's the judging is really hard because at the end of the day just like every other photographer we get really excited about a beautiful idea and there were one or two images where the idea was exceptional. The idea was imaginative, it was out of the box, and there's a, there is a degree of how much we will reward that, and we do, we, you know, because we get as excited about this stuff um, as the photographer who created it. But think about this. If the competition, if we wrote out to everybody and said, send us in 
the best idea you've ever dreamt of for a photograph. That's a very different conversation to the um, send us in your best printed image. The point I'm trying to make is we do reward creativity. We do reward thinking out of the box. But in the end, it's the execution of it that we're actually evaluating. It's a print competition. I know that some people find that a little bit frustrating. There's only so far we can go with rewarding the idea. If it was an ideas competition, great. Send us in your best idea and we will both, uh, maybe, maybe we will both uh, evaluate and judge the idea and maybe it's a prize <laughs> maybe it's a prize uh, somebody can create that image and print it up but the reality is that the sorry I had, to, <laughs> I had to go around a big truck luckily I'm guess what I'm driving a Land Rover Defender so when my wheels went on the verge no fear here <laughs> however I think I've just lost the top of my aerial in a tree uh, anyway uh, so when we're evaluating these things it's it is about the idea it is about creativity but ultimately it's about turning an idea into a print or an image and so you have to be ever so careful not to get drawn into too much of but this is the best idea I've seen all day yeah it is sadly though it's still blurred uh, or it's blown out or the print is clearly substandard you know these are the things that are going through a judge's mind um maybe I will record a podcast on the judging process maybe I will um but anyway so I'm just reversing into a parking space <laughs> I can't walk and chew gum at the same time, let alone record a, a podcast and reverse accurately into a car parking space. Okay, so having successfully parked my Defender, I'm going to hang up there just for a moment and I will pick up again on my way home. Well, I tell you what, it is absolutely freezing. Oh, my word. Uh, and the trouble is, I'd like to say, oh, it's nice to be inside the warmth of a car, but given the car I'm in, you and I know that this is going to stay just as cold as it is right now in the next, it might warm up in the next 20 minutes. Well, let's see how we go. So I've just uh, finished a really beautiful shoot with the hearing dogs. They're always really beautiful shoots uh, with the hearing dogs. Uh, I could never say anything other than that. I've shot a couple of beautiful puppies, one of which, so I'm lying in the grass. So I'm down at a really low level with a camera buried deep into the into the, the turf itself because I like that really low angle. And the puppy just climbed on my back. <laughs> so that was that. Uh, we spent as much time trying to get the puppy off me as we did photographing it. Uh, but a lovely shoot. Uh, I'm now going to warm up or try to warm up uh, as I rattle my way out of the car park. So where was I? Right, I was talking about... Uh, awards and qualifications briefly it was in a sort of an, a, a little bit of a sidestep but it's worth noting so I will continue to bang the drum a lot of people are very cynical about both awards and about qualifications for a multitude of reasons mostly well-founded reasons if I'm honest you know for instance one of the things that comes up with awards we were talk I was talking about earlier is that uh, it's very hard to uh, isolate out and reward creativity or invention on its own. It's, in fact, it's, it's not impossible to do that. What we're there to do is to reward the execution of whatever ideas or whatever idea the author of the image had, as opposed to um, the idea itself. And of course, lots of people get a little bit uptight that why doesn't creativity score much better? Well, creativity is in fact the highest component uh, 
of the scoring. It's the bit that we spend most time getting excited about. But once you add in all of the areas of execution, there are some fundamentals that if it's a print competition, you cannot get past. As for award, uh, sorry, as for qualifications, uh, you know, the, the number of times I hear people say, well, I don't need qualifications to be a great photographer. No, you don't. No, you absolutely don't. You know, the, the photographer who I admire the most for his work is David Bailey, and he never went near an association, let alone a, an award or a qualification, at least to the best of my knowledge. Uh, if somebody writes in now from the RPS or the AOP or something, I'm so sorry. That's just my knowledge or lack of knowledge. My point being, awards and qualifications don't make you a great photographer, but they do push you to test yourself and really develop your skills. Qualifications in particular, I think, are truly important. And if they weren't, chefs would not chase their Michelin stars. Qualifications are so similar to what chefs in the restaurant industry do um, in, in the, the pursuit of greatness. <laughs> that sounds, oh, sorry, that sounds terrible. But you get my point, right? You want to be the best that you can be. And going for your qualifications is no different to a chef trying to get their Michelin stars. And of course, from a marketing point of view, that works too. So there is actually a purely business benefit, which is that if you have your qualifications, as long as you know how to tell your clients what that means and you know how to market them, then you get an edge. People know you're a Michelin starred chef, but in the photography world. Similarly with awards, how many times have you been choosing between two bottles of wine? If like, I mean, if you're like, my, if you're like Sarah, who really understands wine and she buys it based on the grape, the valley, the orientation of the valley, the season, the year. I mean, Sarah buys wine in a way that I can only barely comprehend. I buy wine because I like the label, <laughs> which somewhat puts me at a disadvantage, but nonetheless, that's how I buy wine. So Sarah, whenever I go out and buy wine, Sarah says, just remember, forget the label. She doesn't give me any other clues, so I've got nothing else to go on because I cannot remember all the different grapes and regions and, you know, what, what, what I... In fact, I don't even know what I like. I go out for a meal with Sarah and the first thing Sarah says, do you want some wine? I said, yes, what would I like? <laughs> Sarah remembers and that's what I get. But the point being, you stood in a supermarket or in a off-license or a you know, liquor store and you've got two bottles of wine in your hand, which one are you gonna pick? The one that doesn't have an award sticker on it or the one that has gold awards for this year stuck on it? You know, at the end of the day, we do pay attention to this stuff and so do your clients. So if you can do well in competitions, then it's worth persevering. I know it can be disheartening. I know it can break your heart. And of course, when you win, when you win something in a competition, the judges, oh, they are fine human beings. They know what they're talking about. They're just, oh my God, oh my God. I just love the judges. They so, such good eyes. They spotted what I intended in the image. I've done, I've, I'm so happy. I'm, well, actually what I hate hearing is I'm so humbled by my awards. Rubbish. No one's humbled by an award. You know, you might have humility, but nobody ever posts. If, you, if you're posting about your awards, humility is not part of that equation. Nonetheless, you know, the reaction when you win something, oh my God, the judges, they're the best people. And then when you lose, well, the judges are clueless. I don't understand why they don't reward the kind of thing that I like. You know, it's such a bipolar reaction to uh, awards and judging awards. But in a way, I quite like that because it somewhat illustrates the 
importance of them. If people care enough to throw up their arms in despair, well, at least they care. That's good, right? Just try again next year. Maybe talk to the judges. Find out why your image may or may not have scored so well. Anyway, that aside, <laughs> as an aside, that's a very long intro. Uh, but that's what's going on in my world. Out of the back of the awards, one of the things that struck me, and I'd written this topic down to talk about a long time ago, is that I think a lot of people think that studio, a lot of photographers think that studio photography can be a bit dull. You're in a small room with some lights and not much else, you know, maybe some paper rolls, maybe a hand-painted backdrop, maybe you do a bit of chroma key, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, unlike when you're outdoors in the great atmosphere or rain and cold, as other people might call it, where you have infinite variety, infinite changes of light and mood, when you're in a studio, you have what you have. But actually, having looked at the images that we were judging uh, up in Preston earlier this week, how inspiring it was. But the images that excited me, that lifted my spirits, that made me made me want to be a better photographer most of those images not all but most of those images were either completely studio based images or you could tell that they were composites from studio componentry and the authors had taken something as simple as a face they'd lit it and they'd captured it and there's a purity in that there is a connection with the sitter the subject when you get it right that in my opinion create some of the most evocative and visceral reactions you can get and all you have and, and at least one of those images all they had was one light one subject one background what a beautifully elegant and beautifully simple boiled down type of photography or or, or, or genre of photography when there's nothing else but you and the face in front of you there's no I mean, there are tricks, of course there are tricks, but the tricks are simple ones. They're all about connection, or they're all about light, or they're all about composition. There's very little in terms of post-production. There'll be some, uh, if it's black and white. And let's, let's just deal with the fact that black and white is post-production, all right? People that say they don't do any post-production, and then show me a black and white uh, image off a camera or off a, a RAW file, well, that's post-production. Unless you, unless you actually are seeing the world in black and white, it's post-production. It's not what the world is, so you've manipulated it and you've tuned which bits of the monochrome uh, come up brighter and darker. Uh, so it is post-production. But there's such, it's such an elegant and beautiful format or, or genre of our art, and I love it. Now, when I first joined an association back in... 2008 which is when I went full-time pro and the requirements back then to join the associations that I was interested in is you had to be a full-time professional photographer to even be able to join let alone qualify and I went to the induction day this is in the days when they had induction days in the room there must have been I guess 200 photographers something like that and we sat and we listened to various talks from various people and I remember watching one in particular. Now, this is in the days before, really, I had very much flash or studio kit. I didn't have a studio. Uh, I had one strobe and I had one big Elinchrom Octa, a six-foot Octa, which is an amazing light shaper. It's absolutely beautiful. Still have it. Second-hand. I bought it second-hand. So I must have bought it in about 2007. I still have it 14 years later. 
But I'm stood in the, or sat in the audience watching these presentations. And to my dismay, my absolute dismay, somebody came on and explained how to light a white background image in a studio. The dismaying part wasn't the fact that somebody had to explain that. The dismaying part was how they explained how to do that. In my head, it still very much rings along the following lines. Wow, because that's obviously the voice he had in my head. Wow, you take your backlights and you position them thus. You set them to this power. Then you take your two front lights, one key light, one to reduce the contrast in your studio and you set them to these powers. And on it went and it was so technical and so mechanical that I thought I'd never do studio photography. I thought there was no joy in it because if it's all done by numbers, where's the creativity in that? Now, obviously over the years, I've decided studio photography really is for me. It's something that you could, you just go onto my Instagram feed and you'll see it. I love it. I absolutely adore it, but I love the finesse of it and moving lights around. I don't do anything by numbers. I mean, the only number that I know off by heart is in my studio with my lights and my modifiers. If I set the studio light to, uh, to uh, eight on its power, I was about to say F8, it's not F8. Set, set it to eight on its power scale. Uh, and I have uh, my usual three foot by two foot softbox or one of the 90 centimeter square softboxes on it. For a normal kit skin tone, at a norm or the distances that I normally use, the camera will be ISO 100, whatever the flash sync speed is, and uh, f8 to f11, depending a little bit on uh, whether I nail the positions regularly. So my go-to, I start off, let's say, set the light, set f8 on the power, or set eight rather on the power, set f8 on my lens, set 180th of a second on the sync speed because I work in third stops, or oh, do I work in half stops? I can't remember whatever the camera setting is and um, ISO 100 and that's it so I, that's the only setting I know and from then on in well who knows I'll move the lights I tune them finesse them I'll change the powers but I'll do it without even looking at the dials it's just I count the clicks as I'm rotating the dials so I know more or less how much I've moved it up or moved it down occasionally I'll use the remote control or radio remote that is on the camera but more often than not, I don't do any of those things. All I do is just ever so slightly move the light around until I've got the couch lights in the eyes where I want them. I've got skin tone the way I want it. The background is catching some of that light. This is a one light setup. And then the hard job is to get the subject, the, the person in front of me to look engaged with a camera. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they're engaged with me. What matters is they are engaged with the camera because then they're engaged with the viewer. It's a simple thing. There's nothing complicated about it. And I love it. I love that simplicity of it. And while, you know, when we're judging, of course, we have to appreciate all genre, all technical aspects of photography. We have to appreciate weddings. We have to appreciate commercial photography, fashion photography, fine art photography, composites, avant-garde, pets, animals, farm machinery, you name it. We have to have an appreciation of all of it. And while, yes, it's true that studio photography, the studio portraiture for me was the strongest of all the sections, I got excited about so much. There were some incredible landscapes that made you want to just reach into the picture and touch the water. There were um, 
the most beautiful most beautiful wedding photographs where not only were was there a connection the love between a bride and a groom that but there was also a creative element an artistry element that said something else it added an interest on a different level there were wildlife shots and domestic animal shots that just made you smile and laugh and just life is a better place the great thing about judging the great thing about judging is i get to have time enjoying other people's the the very best of other people's work but at the end of the day for me the studio portraits properly resonated there was some magic in there that uh the authors a few of the authors had really captured the very best of humanity using the very simplest of kit so i'm guessing the point of this podcast is if you think that studio portraiture or or the art of studio portraiture is dull and boring because you're in a little white box with a couple of lights and maybe a backdrop please think again please take a look around at some of the incredible work that's out there and then maybe just like me you'll find it well exciting all right as i drive back into the village it's still flipping freezing uh it's a couple of degrees centigrade uh the land rover seat has warmed up the rest of it hasn't i've managed to pocket dial <laughs> i managed to pocket dial the ceo of the british institute of professional photography <laughs> so uh apologies martin if you listen to this yes that was me just being a muppet uh, i'll ring you back when i finish recording um and i have a whole afternoon of well enjoying myself sorting out our photography finishing our images and looking forward to a wedding reveal tomorrow with uh, a client bride and groom who are coming to see their pictures whatever's going on in your world i hope it's warmer than it is here i hope it is less damp uh, <laughs> i'm certainly really damp having spent the past few hours lying in the grass taking pictures of dogs uh, i hope your world is good and whatever else is going on in your world and in your life be kind to yourself take care oh footnote i could park outside the studio ha <laughs> ha that doesn't happen very often. Usually there's lots of cars parked here. Well, today it's mine. <laughs>